Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Uh, become uh, one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's episode's uh, is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thanks so much for your support. Go to support.greatdetectives.net. Um, well, now it's time for today's episode of Mr. Moto Sabotage. This is Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. <laughs> NBC presents the world's greatest international secret agent, Mr. I.A. Moto, the popular Japanese character created by Pulitzer Prize winner John P. Marquand. Through the struggle between ideologies, forces, and men, which wages throughout the world, Mr. Moto brings the subtlety of his Oriental ancestry, the strength of his American heritage. Tonight's story, one of sabotage. Involving Mr. Moto, Mr. I.A. Moto. Deep are the shadows of the human mind where battles rage across the soul like nervous clouds across a lowering sky. The end products of these battles are panic, conflict, and sometimes sabotage. Nervous. We have a perfect right to be in a subway station. Not at three in the morning. What's that? Keep quiet. What's Gaddy doing? Taking care of the man in the change booth. He won't kill him. He might. What if someone on that train sees us? It's an express. It doesn't stop. Hampton, I'm afraid. Helen, hang on to yourself. We need cool heads for sabotage. <laughs> Mr. Moto, I've been head of the Manhattan Research Foundation for six years. I know that, Dr. Andrews. And never once in all that time has there been the slightest suspicion of sabotage. I realize security regulations are necessary, but ten guards on each floor. Dr. Andrews, tell me, 
What do you know about the nitrogen bomb? We had nothing to do with it here. They're midget bombs. I know. Not much larger than a hand grenade. But 200 times the power. Uh, what's that got to do with us? 24 hours ago, two of them disappeared. What? Yes. How? They were stolen from the Fair Springs Proving Ground. Doesn't that suggest anything to you? Well, internationally speaking, the midget nitrogen bomb is an open book. Quite. But a perfect weapon for sabotaging operations of chromium. You, you think that's why they were stolen? I do. And frankly, it terrifies me. But, Moto, there are two guards on every door of this building, 24 hours a day. We observe every possible security measure. I feel that Operation Zirconium is in danger. Until the test is over, you must observe a few more. I d yes. Excuse me, Dr. Andrews, but Mr. Hampton would like to know if you're going to the meeting with Dr. Brunner. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Miss Carter, this is Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. How do you do? Miss Carter? Uh, Mr. Moto is going to be with us until the zirconium test is completed. Is anything wrong, Dr. Andrews? Oh, no, no, no. We're just taking some extra precautions. Uh, Miss Carter is my confidential secretary, Mr. Moto. If you want any letters done or anything like that, she'll be glad to help you. Of course, Mr. Moto. Thank you very, very much, Miss Carter. Oh, uh, tell Hampton to go to the meeting without me, won't you? I'll come up as soon as I can. Yes, sir. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you, Mr. Moto. Thank you, I will. All right. What next? Next, you show me Operation Zirconium. <laughs> On our way to the Zirconium testing room, Dr. Andrews and I passed many doors. Doors? on which modest black letter spelled out some of the most famous names in modern science. A hallway of genius. Francois de Chartres, vegetable fibers. Maria Finsterwalder, metallography. Perhauer, renowned authority on the heat treatment of metal. Johansson, Grant, Benedetto, a scientific hall of fame. Then, at last, the hallway narrowed and we approached the entrance to the Zirconium testing room. A gleaming door of solid steel barred our progress. Dr. Andrews spoke to a guard who pressed a button. That door is two inches thick and weighs four tons. It should be adequate. It is. Go ahead, Mr. Moto. Thank you. All right, guard. Will you close it, please? There's a guard on that door 24 hours a day. The door is solid steel. A mouse couldn't get into this room. I am not worried about the mice, Dr. Andrews. Oh. <laughs> well, there it is. It is beyond description. Beautiful, isn't it? Tell me about it. Well, zirconium is one of the greatest metals yet developed. Malleable, ductile, it resists heat up to incredible temperatures. How high? Well, we tested it with a torch, which burns fluorine and hydrogen. The fluorine burns at something around 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit. But, Dr. Andrews, that is nearly the temperature of the surface of the sun. It's so hot we can't even measure it. At 2,500 degrees, steel becomes white-hot. At 9,000, it runs like maple syrup. In the fluorine-hydrogen torch, zirconium bent a little but retained its basic hardness. Uh, double combustion chambers here are zirconium lined. Hmm? 
If the test works, they'll function perfectly at 6,000 degrees. Incredible. Mm. With that engine, jet planes can fly 2,000 miles an hour. Can't you imagine, Dr. Andrews, the importance of that engine to enemy agents? Well, everything we do here is important to enemy agents. And the engine will be tested the day after tomorrow? Yes. What time is the test? Ten at night. How many will be present? Oh, about uh, 30. I want ten of my men present at the test itself and ten more stationed on each floor of the building. All right. And there are four of your assistants whose security checks are pending. I think it is wisest if they keep out of the building until the test is completed. Well, who are they? And Mr. Tyrrell, Mr. Mitchell, Dr. Froelich, and Dr. Bernwald. Bernwald? But he worked on the combustion chambers. I'm sorry, Dr. Andrews. It is only for two days, and no one need know. Uh, Captain Shaw, my assistant, will handle the others. I will interview Dr. Bernwald myself. I don't like it. I am sorry. Well... I have to go to a meeting. You can talk to Dr. Bernwald in my office. Miss Carter will get him for you. Thank you. And I repeat, I don't like it, not a bit. I am very, very sorry, Dr. Andrews, but I think it is best that these men be kept away from the building until the zirconium test is over. Moto knows about the nitrogen bomb. Helen, he couldn't. But he does. I listened at the door. I heard him tell Dr. Andrews. What did Andrews say? He's fed up with these security regulations, but he knows they're necessary. Did he mention me? No. Why should he? It wouldn't take too much digging to find out I'm not the real Hampton. Don't you ever get tired of it. What do you mean? You're such a, a fanatic. A fanatic? Oh, I'm just so sick of lying and stealing and spying. I'm sick of the... of the party. You make a remark like that once more oh, and I'll... Right, have... I'm sorry. I... I didn't mean it. We're dedicated, both of us. Remember that. Yes. We're part of the greatest thing that's ever happened. A revolution that will not only don't make it possible... Don't talk so loud. And don't preach. I'm just tired, that's all. Where are Moto and Andrews now? They went up to the testing room. How did Moto get into the picture? Andrews sent for him? Oh, I don't know. Makes me nervous. Think the subways occur to them? I doubt it. Well, 48 hours. Yes. They won't change the time of the test. No, too many people have been asked. Then it's tonight and tomorrow night. Yes. We'll set it up tonight, off tomorrow night. It would be safer if we could do it in one trip, but we can't. Bombs have to be directly under the building to be sure that they... Be careful, somebody's coming. Dr. Andrews said he'd get to the meeting as soon as he could, Dr. Hampton. Excuse me, Miss Carter, but I wonder if you would do something for me. Of course, Mr. Moto. Uh, this is Mr. Hampton, Mr. Moto. How do you do? Mr. Hampton's been working on zirconium in England, Mr. Moto. Oh, really? And when did you come over? Uh, slightly over six weeks now. I hope you're enjoying America? Oh, immensely. Uh, with two exceptions. I took one ride in your dreadful subways and promptly switched to taxi. <laughs> and I tried one cup of your fantastic tea and switched to coffee. Well, I can understand that. Being of Japanese extraction, I'm a bit of an authority on tea myself. <laughs> uh, what was your connection in London? Uh, Galton Laboratories. Ah, my old friend, Dr. Galton. How is he? Fine. Actually, it was he who sent me over to Dr. Andrews. Oh? U.S. Zircon deposits are going to be awfully important, and Europe's a bit on the short side, you know. With the exception of Germany, I understand. Uh, uh yes, yes, th that's right. It has been very, very pleasant meeting you, Dr. Hampton. But if you will forgive me, I would like Miss Carter to do some work for me before she goes to lunch. Right, oh, I have things to do myself, actually. Uh, I say, would you care for a nip of chocolate? 
Uh, no, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> it's silly of me, I know, but I can't get enough of your wonderful food. So every time I pass one of those penny dispensing machines, I load up on chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'll be getting along. Thank you, Miss Cotter. You're welcome. Goodbye, Mr. Moto. Also nice to have met you. Goodbye, Mr. Hampton. Miss Cotter, uh, will you send a cable for me? Certainly, sir. Sir John Davenport, Intelligence C5, British War Office, London. That is? Yes, sir. Kindly airmail pictures and complete physical description, including set of fingerprints. You're Mr. What is Mr. Hampton's first name? Uh, Neil. Neil J. Thank you. Including set of fingerprints, you're Neil J. Hampton. Stop. Urgent and immediate stop. Assign motor. You got that? Yes, sir. Send that off before you go to lunch, will you? Yes, Mr. Neil. I'll be in Dr. Andrews' office if anybody wants me. Yes, sir. Hampton here. Hampton, have you a lunch date? Yes, why? Uh, break it. Send for Gabby. We'll all three meet in your apartment at 12.30. Anything wrong? Yes. 12.30 at the apartment. Right. Hampton, he dictated a cable to British intelligence. He what? Yes. Asking for a picture and fingerprints of Neil J. Hampton. I had to send it. I had to. Of course, if this is getting hard, I'm pulling out. I didn't figure anything Listen, like Gabby, that. you're in this for $20,000. Now, shut up. Honestly, I almost fainted. I don't like this Gabby, whole thing. Gabby, you. you're an ex-convict in the thug. You'll never get a chance to make $20,000 again as long as you live. Now, keep quiet and let me think. I almost dropped the pencil. My heart was beating so loud I thought I'd hear it. How long have we got until Motor gets a reply to his cable? He marked it immediate and urgent and return airmail. And our deadline is tomorrow night at six. That's about right. Gabby, get those blueprints of the subway. They're in the desk. Okay, boys, I'll get them. What are you going to do? We'll have to do it tonight. But are we ready? We'll have to be. All right, boys, here they are. Now, sure these blueprints are accurate. What do you mean, accurate? They're blueprints, ain't they? All blueprints are accurate. Go over it again. All right. Well, uh, this here... Yes? That's the subway entrance. Going south, that's downtown... On the local tracks along here, see? Yes, yes. Now, you go for exactly 872 feet, and you smack underneath the Manhattan Research Foundation building. How far underneath, Cabby? 33 feet. And we drilled two holes in the subway wall, nine inches deep and three inches across. We won't drill. It makes too much noise. Well, what then? We'll use the fluorine hydrogen torch. I'll steal one from the foundation. That stuff eats through concrete as though it was candle wax. How long? Through nine inches of concrete... About two minutes. Wow, it must be hot. It is. Not as hot as we'll be if we fumble it. Don't get panicky, Helen. It's dangerous. You place a nitrogen bomb in each one of the holes, then lay the detonator hose across the tracks. And Gabby, you say the last express is at 20 after 3? Yeah, right. A.M.? No, at night. That's A.M. Okay, A.M., P.M., so it's the middle of the night, 20 after 3, see? Yes. And the next local, that's about in the morning service, is at 4. And we got from 20 after 3 till 4 o'clock. 40 minutes. Right, let's figure it. We're on the subway platform at 3.20 when the last express goes through. It'll take us six minutes to walk in the 872 feet. Yeah, and figure in six minutes to drill, I mean, uh, to burn the holes, put in the bombs, and put the hose across the track. And six minutes back, that's 18 minutes from 40, gives us at least 20 minutes to get away. In the car, we can get a long way from that subway station in 20 minutes. You better leave now, Helen. It wouldn't do for us to go back to the foundation together. Right. Gabby, we'll meet here tonight at six. I'll have the torch and we'll check the detonator hoses on the bombs. Tonight is going to be... 
the night. Mr. Moto, what do you mean? Just what I say, Dr. Andrews. You mean you actually cabled British intelligence to check up on Hampton? Yes. I asked for fingerprints and a photograph. Since I'm in charge here, I presume I may ask why. I think he is an imposter. You think what? We were talking about zircon deposits in Europe. I said there were some in Germany. It startled him. Then he agreed there were. Actually, there are not. Actually, there are so. What? I don't wonder it startled him. It's been kept very hush-hush. Why, I... I've been very foolish. Oh. Is everyone who knows more than you about zirconium to be under suspicion? Perhaps you'd be interested in knowing that in 1940 I donated a $100 check to an aid to Russia fund. It was at a dinner at the Waldorf. I remember rightly, I borrowed a pen from the chairman of the New York City Council to make out the check. He was at the dinner, too. So were 800 others. If I have embarrassed you, I am very, very sorry, Doctor. Embarrassed me? You've insulted one of the outstanding physicists in the world. If I am wrong, no one need know I sent the cable except you. Hampton's credentials were carefully checked before he was admitted to this country. And before the Galton Laboratory hired him away from Oxford University. Oh, good night, Mr. Moto. <clears throat> Are you leaving by the main gate, Dr. Andrews? If I can get through the guards. Would you ask Captain Shaw to come here, please? Oh, I will. And try not to break up my entire organization. A long distance, a special priority call on New York Private Line 2000L4. That is correct. Uh, Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. For Sir John Davenport, British Intelligence, London, England. Have you got that? Uh, call me back as soon as possible, will you? Thank you. You wanted me, Mr. Moto? Oh, come in, Captain Shaw. Well, sir, we've been over every inch of this building. The cafeteria? Yeah, two men shook every unopened can in the place. A quart can of tomatoes would be an excellent hiding place for a nitrogen bomb. I'm telling you, we haven't missed so much as a keyhole. And did you find out about the chocolate? Oh, those penny vending machines are in almost every subway station in town. Ah, and tell me, Captain Shaw, are they anyplace else? Uh, not out here. Some in the Times Square area, those... Penny arcades have them. An odd place for a physicist to go for relaxation? Yes, odd place for anybody to go unless they're feeble-minded. Then Hampton was lying. He does like the subway. No. He walks. He what? That's right, he walks. Just lives around the corner from here. But if he doesn't ride the subway, where does he buy those penny chocolate bars? I don't know. Maybe he just likes candy. Then why doesn't he go into a candy store and buy it by the pound? Search me. Cannot possibly take a prominent British physicist into custody for eating penny chocolate. Uh, so what do we do? We can do nothing, Captain Joy, except wait here. I am sure that Sir John Davenport will get in touch with me. We will wait here for a phone call from British intelligence. Detonator hose here, Gabby, and hold the bomb still. These pliers are too big. It's like fixing a watch with a crowbar. Life will go off and blow us Helen, head. there's tweezers on that table by the window. Get them, will you? All right. Try it, Gabby. No, it's still loose. That vent isn't absolutely airtight. The bombs won't go off. Hanson, Gabby! What is it? Come here, quick! Look, down there, getting out of that car. 
Angels. But how? How? Gabby, quick. Get the stuff into the bedroom. Hurry. Yeah, sure. Torch, Helen. No, no, on the chair. Hurry. I knew something would go wrong. I knew Shut it. Shut up and don't panic. The pliers, Gabby. There. Yeah, I got them. Take the hose, Helen. Oh, all right. And those glasses. Yes. The whiskey glasses, Helen. Use your head. There's three of them and hurry. Anything else? The hammer, Gabby. On the floor by the couch. Okay, I got it. In the bedroom. Not a sound. Hurry. Be careful, Hampton. You need help. You yell. In the bedroom, quick. Not a sound. Coming. Why, Dr. Andrews, how very nice. Please come in. Oh, uh, thank you, Hampton. Oh, sit down, won't you? No, no, uh, I can't stay a moment. I, uh, I've come to make an apology. An apology? I want to be the first to tell you so that you'd understand. Oh, please sit down, Dr. Andrews. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, Hampton, I'm, I'm really terribly embarrassed, but through absolutely no fault of mine, there's been a cable sent to British intelligence. One of those unfortunate incidents that... Uh, a cable? What, what sort of cable? Hampton. Dr. Andrews, what is it? What is that? What? what? My dear chap, are you ill? There, on the floor. No, no, it can't be. Oh, no. A chap was in fixing my air conditioner in the bedroom. He must have dropped it. Let me see it. Really, old boy, it's nothing. Let me see it. Dr. Andrews, I assure you that... It's a vent from a fluorine hydrogen torch. Isn't it? No. Then let me see it. No. Hampton! Keep still, Andrew. Let me out of here. Oh, no, you don't. Motor was right. He was right all the time. Mr. Moto, we're going to wait all night for that call from British intelligence. It's almost three in the morning. Captain Shaw, I have the strangest feeling. A premonition of disaster. All right, but we've done everything we can. Ah. Hello? Yes? British intelligence. Oh? Hello? Yes, Sir John. When? An hour ago. Please, please, don't apologize. You had no reason to suspect Yes, yes. Thank you, Sir John. I, I must hurry. Goodbye. What? Hampton is an imposter. What'd they say? Had you Hampton's address? Yeah, around the corner. Quickly, Captain Shaw. We haven't a moment to lose. The real Hampton was found an hour ago in an abandoned well on his estate in Hampshire. Murdered. Come on, Helen. We're 40 minutes before the next local. What's keeping Gabby? Gabby, you all right? Yeah, yeah. I fixed the guy in the change booth. Gabby, you didn't kill him. Ah, oh, just a tap on the head. He's out cold. Helen, you stay here. If anybody comes, anybody suspicious, blow this whistle, understand? Yes. And keep your head. Right. Come on, Gabby. Down on the tracks. And hurry. Okay. Keep your eyes open, Helen. I will. Into the tunnel, Gabby. 40 minutes isn't any too long. If Hampton's in, he's playing possum. Break down the door, Captain Shaw. Yes, Mr. Moto. <clears throat> One more will do it? Yes, sir. <clears throat> the light. Quickly. Yeah. Dr. Andrews. 
untie him quickly. Yes, sir. I knew it. I knew I was right about Hampton. There was something about him, something in his eyes. The gag. Quickly, Captain. Yeah. Take it easy, Andrews. No. Oh, Mother, hurry. You were right. You were right all along. They've got two nitrogen bombs. Get him water, Captain. No, no, I'm all right. The subway runs underneath the foundation building. I heard them talking. They're going to blow up the building from the subway with nitrogen bombs. Captain Shaw. Yes, sir. Get 30 men from headquarters. Which station, Dr. Andrews? Down the street. For God's sake, hurry. Ten men at the stop above, Captain. Ten at the station down the street. Ten at the first station down. Yes, sir. Hurry, Captain Shaw. Every moment we lose brings us closer to disaster. Tighter, Gabby. Yeah, okay. The bombs won't explode unless the designator hose is airtight. I tell you, we won't make it. We've been in here 20 minutes now. That one's ready. Now the other. Boss, we won't make it, I'm telling you. Shut up. Hold the flashlight steady. Listen. Train. There's a junction three stations down. It's not coming this way. Hold the flashlight lower. We can't fix both bombs. We ain't got the time. I tell you, there's a junction three stations down. Now shut up. There won't be a train on this track for 20 minutes. One bomb is set. Hold the flashlight while I tighten the other. We won't get far enough away. We'll be out of here in 10 minutes. That gives us 10 to get away. Give me the hammer. Put it on the track. What? On the tracks, the hose connection. Right. Now hold it steady. One more. Hey, that is the local. Something's gone wrong. One more. Are you crazy? One more will do it. Hey, that train's coming. Look. It's not one more. But I can see it. We can't make it. We can. We'll be blown to bits. Put those connections out. Put them out, you hear me? The train's coming. We can't make it. We'll be blown to bits. It can't be the local. Pull those connections. No. We'll be blown to bits. Pull those connections. We'll pull them up. All right. Come on. Now, the other hurry. There's a safety net down the tracks to the side of water. Come on, pull the other one. Got it. Never mind it. Come on. Come on, here. Run. Gabby, help me. I, I fell. I got my foot. Help me. Gentlemen, the fake Mr. Hampton will bother us no longer. There was very little of him left. He was insane. A communist fanatic, Dr. Andrews, dedicated to a cause. So was Miss Cotter. Gabby was in it purely for money, an ex-convict. They'll probably get 20 years. The real hero was the driver of that empty subway train. No, Captain Shaw. The bombs couldn't possibly have been ready. Setting an air hose detonator on the nitrogen bomb by hand is a difficult job. I knew it could not possibly be done in less than... 40 minutes. The transit people were very cooperative. They did not allow the local to stop at a single station. It was almost 20 minutes early. I knew they would still be in the subway tunnel, and that they would hardly allow themselves to be blown up. Hmm. Mr. Moto, I... <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't more cooperative. You acted as you thought best, Dr. Andrews. Well, it's just that I... I hate witch hunts. Yes, I hate them too, Dr. Andrews hate to see an innocent person unjustly accused. On the other hand... Yes, Mr. Motor. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. (laughs) 
You have just heard the world's greatest international secret agent, Mr. I.A. Moto, in a story of Sabotage. James Monks starred as Mr. Moto. The script was written and directed by Harry W. Junkin, produced by Carol Irwin. Others in the cast were Hadley Rainey, Ross Martin, Rita Lynn, Bernard Grant, and Lyle Sudrow. The music was transcribed. This is Fred Collins speaking, and here with a preview of next week's story is Mr. I.A. Moto. Thank you. Next week, a story of the Eternal City. A story of the ancient dead and the fearful living. An escape from the catacombs of Rome. And now, may you sleep in grace and wisdom and arise to greet the dawn renewed and strengthened, confident in the words of the poet that the spirit of the worm beneath the sod in love and worship blends itself with God. Good night. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Tomorrow morning and every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, NBC invites you to hear the very best in morning radio entertainment. Tommy Bartlett on Welcome Travelers, Double or Nothing with Walter O'Keefe, and Break the Bank with Bud Collier. There's also the Jack Burt Show and Dial Dave Garraway. Yes, Monday through Friday for the best in morning radio, it's NBC. Phil Baker invites you to join the $64 question next on NBC. Welcome back. Well, another uh, episode of Mr. Moto. Uh, with a, uh, pretty clever way to, uh, go ahead and prevent the, uh, sabotage, uh, the death of the, uh, fake scientist wasn't the intent of the plan, only its, uh, result. Overall, a pretty good drama. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have this from Joel. Uh, who writes in, as a kid during the Cold War, I developed a fear of the communists that revi- that rivaled my perception of the Nazis. Listening to uh, the episode, The Victim, I relive the propaganda that created these feelings. These are vivid and terrifying versions of the Manchurian candidate. Considering what has been revealed about U.S. programs of drug use, LSD experiments, torture during that period, I have to wonder how innocent we were and how much of the anti-Soviet fear was a product of the propaganda machine. Mr. Moto is uh, the most powerful of the raft of the anti-communist dramas I've heard, I heard as a 10-year-old in 1950. Uh, thank you for taking me back. Well, Joel, your email reminds me a bit of the... Uh, Quote by uh, Maxwell Smart from an episode of Get Smart in the 60s. We have to shoot and kill and destroy. We represent everything that's wholesome and good in the world. That said, we really, with the Soviets and the uh, communists in China, were dealing with some pretty uh, bad regimes. Between uh, Stalin and Mao, there were more than a 100 uh, million deaths. And uh, when you take a look at a lot of the uh, communist uh, propaganda of the time, you see it was very aggressive and international in its approach. So there wasn't a uh, fear of nothing. But at the same time, there were indeed a lot of false um, 
accusations of communist activity, and that was seen with things like the uh, Red Channel books, um, which uh, labeled a lot of uh, people in Hollywood uh, as communist unjustly. Uh, and really, in a way, in this this episode of Mr. Moto, I found it kind of interesting with the way it ended. Uh, Mr. Moto trying to balance the need for security with the desire to avoid uh, any sort of witch hunts, because clearly the director of that uh, institute uh, was uh, taking that view of Mr. Moto, that he was here uh, to attempt uh, some sort of witch hunt. I did like the little twist they had in there where Mr. Moto had, um, where Mr. Moto, uh, was suspicious of the guy, uh, but it turns out that he, that what, uh, aroused his suspicion, or at least one of the things, was actually wrong. That, that I thought was a pretty fun twist in the script. Well, uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Mr. Moto. Uh, join us tomorrow for yours truly, uh, Johnny Dollar. In the meanwhile, your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.